Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. I am Pastor Dominic Grimaldi filling in for Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about the same-sex controversy. And I borrowed that term from a book written by Dr. James White and Jeffrey N. Neal. And it's an honor today to have Dr. James White in studio today, so I think I'm okay to (laughs) use the book and use the name. Um, I'll give you Dr. White in a minute so he can tell you a little bit about himself. Uh, You guys probably remember me at least from my accent. My name is, again, Pastor Dominic Romaldi. I pastor... By God's grace, a little church in Black Canyon City, about 10 minutes outside of Anthem. And as a church, we pray to continue to reform in the light of Scripture and continue to make believers strong in their faith with sound doctrine. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Rachel, who's in the studio today, along with Pastor Jason Smathers, who came to make sure I don't make any mistakes, because we know Dr. White won't make any. Uh, I attend Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, and I'm about a semester away from graduating with my MDiv, with a biblical studies major, by God's grace. I asked Dr. White to join us today to deal with these tough issues of same-sex unions, homosexuality, gender-neutral advancements, and I believe, I really believe that he's a needed voice in Arizona for Arizona pastors. I really do, Uh, especially when the gospel is at stake, and I'll tell you why I think it's at stake, and I I, kind of glean this a little bit from Dr. White Um, When some evangelicals cannot fundamentally categorize sin, then how how can we confront it? And then why the cross? And Dr. White had remarked, this is not a slippery slope, but a cliff that some would fall off. And it's detriment to the gospel. So with that, I want to give you Dr. White, and he'll tell you a little bit about himself, and then we'll break, and then we'll come and deal with with these tough issues. Dr. White? Well, it's good to be with you. Um, yeah, uh, I do live here in the in the Valley of the Sun. It's not the first time I've been in this studio. In fact, I was uh, mentioning that it was uh, right in this very studio that uh, a debate took place, wow, a decade and a half ago, that ended up resulting in the book that you mentioned, The Same-Sex Controversy. Jeff Neal and I were in here, and uh, the debate took place uh, between my uh, us two and and two representatives of the homosexual movement, and it was shortly after that that we started writing the same-sex controversy. So uh, this uh, studio has a lot of uh, a lot of memories uh, for me along those lines. Uh, I've had the opportunity over the years to engage in debate with a number of individuals, uh, from John Shelby Spong, the former bishop of uh, Newark, New Jersey, Episcopalian, um, to um, uh, an ACLU attorney, Barry Lynn, Head of uh, Americans United for Separation of Church and State. He's on Fox News constantly. Um, as well as uh, at least one homosexual pastor up in Salt Lake City. And then uh, most recently with uh, 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 Mr. Lee, who, who is the head of the Gay Christian Network, 
we certainly have been trying to get other people to debate, such as uh, David Gushy and James Brownson and Matthew Vines. Uh, but um, that side of this particular issue has learned that engaging in meaningful debate where both sides have the same amount of time and have to answer direct uh, cross-examination questions and things like that is not something that is uh, helpful to their side. They already have the media on their side, and they have the cultural flow on their side. And so it is obviously in opposition to their interests to actually engage these issues in a meaningful sense. And so that's the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, hopefully we can get into some of the uh, most important texts and how we can deal with this as Christians in light of the fact uh, that tomorrow is, are the arguments before the Supreme Court yes, on the redefinition yes. of marriage. Yes. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thank you. Welcome to Coin and Knee on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi filling in for t- uh, Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about the same-sex controversy, a book written by Dr. James White. And he allowed me to use the title today. And I just want to, for a second, just open up to the first chapter of the second chapter of Genesis. And, and we should know these texts as Christians. It's when uh, God obviously um, forms man and, and man is is now on the earth. And, and, and God, in, in verse 21, says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that, uh, at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I just want to go to another creation narrative in Romans 1 and just uh, just read a couple of verses out of here and uh, read something from Rob Bell and then let uh, Dr. White expound on, on this. So uh, verse 1 and 25 in Romans, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now, just to say this, these are both creation narratives, but in Romans we have the natural function of the creator turned into an unnatural function. And I'm going to make Dr. White talk about this in a second. I think the term would be Eistain parafusin, and that's that this unnatural, something done unnatural to the created order of, and I'll, I'll have Dr. White expound on that. But I do want to say this, because uh, Dr. White did write a book on the authority of Scripture, but Rob Bell said this, Rob Bell said this, and then and we'll make Dr. White expound on both these issues. Bell warned that if the church keeps resisting same-sex marriage, it would continue to be more irrelevant. I think culture is already there, and the church will continue to be more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. When you have in front of you flesh and blood, people who are brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and co-workers and neighbors, they love each other, love each other and just want to go through life, he said. Dr. White, you wrote a book on the 
on the on Sola Scriptura, on the Scripture alone. Rob Bell is saying that if this is all we have to trust, we're in trouble. So deal with the 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 nature being usurped, and deal with Rob Bell basically saying Scripture is is not enough. Well, uh, obviously, there's, there's a number of different issues that were raised uh, in the various texts you brought up. I'll, I'll go backwards. Uh, Rob Bell obviously does not believe that God has spoken to us in Scripture in the way that Jesus believed that God has spoken to us in Scripture. Um, and the view that we have of the nature of Scripture will determine where we end up coming down on this issue. And I have been saying for a number of years now that what we're going to see is a fundamental reorientation of terms like evangelical. I think that the word is not going to have much meaning. It doesn't have much meaning right now, but it's going to have even less meaning in the future uh, because of the fact that already the, the fault lines exist in how we view Scripture. Uh, Jesus had such a high view of Scripture that he could say to the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 22, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Now, that was in a context of proving the point of the resurrection. But when you listen to what Jesus said, he said, have you not read what God spoke to you, saying, and then he quotes from the Exodus account. So in Jesus' words, in Jesus' understanding of Scripture, what had been written 1,400 years earlier, was God speaking, and so much was it God speaking, that to read it today was the same thing as if God had actually literally spoken it to you. So Mm -hmm. if you have that view of Scripture, then you're not going to be able to say the things that Rob Bell says, because Rob Bell doesn't have the confidence that what God spoke 2,000 years ago could remain relevant today, that it's living and abiding, that that man, he he seems to think that man has, has developed past uh, the Stone Age views of the Scripture, as right, if right. the Scriptures can only represent the worldview of their authors and not believe what Peter said, and that is that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, liberalism and that uh, that entire realm of, quote-unquote, churchianity uh, has no basis of standing against this movement within our society to completely redefine marriage in a way that is rebellious against God's decree. The second thing is you you brought up uh, the book of Genesis. And again, I think it's vitally important for Christians. We need to know the the passages in Leviticus 18, Leviticus right, 20, right. Genesis 18, uh, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1. We need to know those texts that specifically refer to homosexuality and why they say what they say. But if that's where we start... We're missing the boat. Right. Because the reason there are only a certain number of texts that address this issue is because of the overwhelming positive presentation of the Scripture regarding God's purpose in regards to male and female. And so when we look back at Genesis, we discover once again that if we're followers of Christ, he quoted from this very section of Scripture in response to the challenge that was given to him in Matthew chapter 19 in regards to marriage. And he said, uh, again, it is, it is written, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? Uh, just in light of what happened this past weekend on uh, ABC uh, with the two-hour infomercial uh, promoting uh, gender rebellion. And that's what we need to, we need, we need to be careful in the, in the terminology we're using. Yes. This isn't gender confusion. This is gender rebellion. Yes. Um, because God is the one who determines, I mean, how many times in Scripture is God is the one who opens the womb. God is the one who gives, uh, gives children. God is the one who, who forms this in the womb. 
for someone today to say, I'm not actually a male, I'm actually a female, or I'm any one of the, how many options did Facebook offer? 48? I forgot how many it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a ridiculous number. Is the ultimate example of human autonomy, where mankind is saying, I don't care what God says. I am going to determine my own reality, even if it is against the reality that I have to face every every single day. And so Jesus quoted from Genesis chapter 2, and he held people accountable for recognizing the fundamental truths that that text revealed. Now, what happens today? Uh, well, if you quote from either Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, you're going to hear the other side say, well, that's one of two contradictory creation accounts and so on and so forth. It goes back to their utilization of liberal uh, quote-unquote Christian theology to try to undercut the authority of the text, which, again, would require you to believe that Jesus really didn't know. Uh, he wasn't up to speed right. on these things, uh, which means you really can't believe he was the Son of God. You can't believe he was the incarnate Son of God. You can't really believe he was, he, he was who he claimed to be. Um, and that's why this quote-unquote gay Christian movement does not have a foundation to maintain any level of orthodoxy for any period of time at all. And when you follow up on people who embrace this, you will see that very quickly they abandon all elements of Christian orthodoxy in regards to who God is, who Christ is, what the atonement is, etc., etc. So when we look at Genesis chapter 2, I think it's very important that we, we give a positive presentation of what the Bible teaches concerning human sexuality and the fact that maleness and femaleness are good things and they were decreed by God. And yes. if we want to live in a culture of life rather than a culture of death, then we need to be focused upon following the God who is the source of life. And he has revealed to us that to have that life is to recognize who he is and who we are in light of that. And he says in, in Genesis chapter 2, he specifically says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Eitzer Konegdo is a, is a Hebrew phrase that everyone should memorize. I don't care whether you could ever recognize it in Hebrew or not. I think everyone should just be running around uh, with Eitzer uh, Konegdo in, in their minds as to uh, what, what that, that phrase means. A one, the, the term refers to a helper who is like unto you and yet distinguished from you. So there is a mutuality. There is a meeting of a need that you cannot meet in and of yourself. There is a complementarianism that is inherent in the relationship between male and female, not just physically in regards to the necessary propagation of the species, but in so many other ways as well. That is a part of biblical revelation. Every church that has already collapsed on this issue, and there are many, almost all liberal churches collapsed on these issues half a century ago or more, every church that has already collapsed on this has no leg to stand on whatsoever in dealing with now the redefinition of marriage. Um, only those who take seriously the creative intention of God in creating male and female, um, can then point out that one of the fundamental problems with the entire concept of, and this is how it's always phrased, lifelong, committed, loving homosexual relationships, which, by the way, represents at the very highest amount, 5 to 3% exactly. of <clears throat> the especially male homosexual experience. Um, but even utilizing that kind of phraseology when someone says, what could ever be wrong with that? Uh, the Christian understanding the biblical revelation says, 
because God did not design us to fall in love with a mirror. And that's what yeah, homosexuality is. It, yes. is. it is fundamentally narcissistic because that is another you. Now, I can tell you, and I've been married a lot longer than you have, um, but, uh, but I can guarantee you that you've already learned this. Um, living with a woman changes a man. And, Without a doubt. And, yes, and, I, I and, if, and if we're being <laughs> honest ourselves yes. in many very good and necessary ways. Without a doubt. Okay. Uh, and the, 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 male, the male's ability to consistently interact with things in life and not be ruled over by emotion can be extremely helpful for the woman as well. Now, I'm, I realize there's all sorts of different, different you know, experiences that people have. The point is that there is a complementary relationship between the man and the woman. I did not fall in love with a mirror image of myself. And when we talk about marriage, when we say, I married Kelly, the verb is colored and determined in its meaning by its direct object. And the Supreme Court tomorrow is going to be talking about removing fundamental meaning from the English language in our experience in the process. What an honor to have Dr. White. I mean, this is really, this is eye-opening for all of us. And, 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 and I talk about the emotion. We're going to break. We have about 30 seconds before we break. But, and we'll talk about the Reformation Project on the other side. You're listening to Koinonia on Fate Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi filling in for Tom Brown. We'll be back in a few minutes, 602-274-1360. Okay, welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Pastor Dominic Romaldi, filling in for Tom Brown. And we are talking about the same-sex controversy. you got to pick up the book by... Dr. James White and Jeffrey Neal. It's an extraordinary read, so pick up that book if you can. Um, Dr. White mentioned in the sermon preached back in 2011, he was preaching on Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you remember this a while back, but what he, what, what he said about in that sermon was the speed of, of how evil is now depicted as good. He said it was just, he, 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 I think he, he might have said, if I'm not mistaken, that he wouldn't even think he would see some of this in his time, mm-hmm. but it's really coming to a really at a a, a, a locomotive a locomotive speed, and and the Reformation project is is one of the outcomes of of this um, thing that Doctor White was talking about in 2011, and it's taking place now. Uh, and I'm going to have Doctor White um, explain who the Reformation project are. One of the terms they use is sexual minorities, but but here's what I um, want to say about it. Whether it's Rob Bell, whether it's Dr. David Gushy or Matthew Vines, and he'll he'll get into these guys and who they are, maybe a little more. They come at it from an emotional perspective. They want to they want to kind of woo your heartstrings with this. It's subjectional truth over objectional truth, which is the word of God. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Evangelicals today, and I know I'm going to use the term loosely because Dr. White warned me about that, but here's the thing. A lot of Scripture today is interpreted emotionally. I mean, it's what the Scripture can do for me. What you know, It's not what God is saying. So this fits right into the culture. 
So maybe you can introduce us, Dr. White, to the Reformation Project, because we need to know about this, because they are trying to get us with our heart. They're not using what Dr. White said, the inerrant, authentic Word of God. Well, they'll utilize it, and they will actually claim to believe it. However, when you have the rare opportunity of pushing and examining what's actually being said, that's when you discover that um, that words uh, all of a sudden can change meaning. What we're talking about here is there is now this entire quote unquote gay Christian movement, and it is a fund. It's fundamentally based upon the idea that homosexuality is a gift from God. Uh, that God makes people homosexual. That that's how He designs them. In not in the sense that. And this is the Reformation Project. Reformation, Reformation, okay. Well, Reformation Project is a part of this movement of quote unquote gay Christianity. And okay. the Reformation Project specifically, its intention is to convince people that the traditional historic understanding of the church of the biblical text regarding homosexuality is in error. And that's why when Matthew Vines put his video out uh, a number of years ago, it sort of went viral. Uh, I did a four-hour response to it. I played everything he said and responded to the entirety of it. So it was five hours once you put his one-hour uh, presentation into it. Um, that is just part of a larger movement uh, seeking to completely redefine the church's stance on the subject of specifically of homosexuality, but you need to realize it, this is a gospel issue. If, if what they're saying is true, right. this will require a complete reorientation in regards to the entirety of the gospel. Um, it, it really does end up striking at scriptural authority, scriptural sufficiency, because what they're in essence saying is that the, someone like Paul could not have known about these loving, uh, committed, lifelong homosexual relationships. And so we should not apply biblical parameters to these kinds of things that the writers could not have known about. Now, if you'll think about that for just a moment, it, it makes some sense if you believe that the Bible is really nothing more than the thoughts of men who lived in the first century. But if you believe that Scripture is men speaking from God as they're being carried along by the Holy Spirit. You don't think the Holy Spirit knew? Big difference, right. And I've always wanted to ask, and I have not had the opportunity yet of doing so, but I've wanted to ask Matthew Vines, who is the head of the Reformation Project, or Dr. David Gushy, who is a Baptist ethicist from Mercer University, who last year uh, changed his perspective, uh, became an ally of the gay Christian movement, has apologized for how long it took him to be able to do this. He's the one who talks about the, the church's sexual minorities, so on and so forth. James Brownson, a, um, uh, a New Testament scholar uh, who likewise um, has written a book, uh, The Bible, Sexuality, and Gender, which has really become the go-to book for the gay Christian movement. Interestingly enough, Matthew Vine's a homosexual. Neither Gushy nor Brownson are. But both Gushy and Brownson, right before their changes, had a family member come out as a homosexual. Both of them did. I think that's important to note. Uh, these are not people that are that are that are unbiased in their in their examination of this issue. But all of them are. I've want, what I've wanted to ask all of them is this question, and I've made this public, so maybe that's why none of them will debate because they don't know how to answer the question. But but they want to talk about Jesus. They want to talk about. Uh, trusting in Christ, they want to talk about the gospel, they want to talk about the centrality of Jesus, they want to talk about all these things. I want to ask them the question, did Jesus know? Did he know? I mean, Dr. Gushy says that one out of 20 people are homosexual. He takes as much as a 5%. It's, that's a little bit inflated, but 
you know, most, most surveys have said at max two and a half to three percent, but let's go with the five percent. One out of 20. Was that not the same, same back then? Or has things changed? There's something in the water? What's, what's, how can you even substantiate something like that? So Jesus would be speaking to these. So people. one out of 20 exactly. of the people that he is speaking to is one of the church's sexual minorities. And yet, in Jesus' teachings, there is not a single positive word about homosexuality. Instead, we know exactly what the Jews, 200 years before Jesus, 100 years before Jesus, in Jesus' day, 100 years after Jesus, 200 years after, we know exactly what the Jews believed about these issues in that time frame. And Jesus never raised a word of protest. Instead, he emphasized positively the very, quote-unquote, stereotypes that are so restricting to these loving homosexual relationships. And so what I want to ask these people that want to try to hold on to, I'm an Orthodox Christian, and I believe that homosexuality is a gift from God, is what about Jesus? If he is the incarnate Son of God, then he knew, it, the Scriptures tell us, he knew Great it was point. in the hearts of men. So can you imagine, you're the Creator, you made him in that way, that's what they're saying, it's a gift from God. And yet you kept your mouth shut as to the fact that there is absolutely no way that he could express his true desires as a homosexual for marriage in that context. Never said a word about it, never did anything. How can you hold those two things together? It's a question I'd like to ask. Unfortunately, I've not been given the opportunity of asking it. Well, they can call in right now if they want, <laughs> and, we'll, uh, and you'll answer it. <laughs> That's on not that, going to happen. On that same note... If I'm listening, if I'm if I'm reading, uh, if I'm reading Doctor Doctor Gushy Doctor Gushy correctly, he believes in monogamy, whether it's two men, two right. women, or, lifelong monogamous right. committed relationships. And yes. the problem is, and Doctor White made a great point on this, and I, I you need to ex- try to get this out because it's important. The majority of homosexual relationships are not. Monogamous, right? They're not. They're. I mean, I'm from New York City, and I, the, the lifestyle and the, the majority of of homosexual relationships are not monogamous. And what Doctor White says, if that's true, which it isn't true, why isn't he talking about the ones? Why isn't he talking about the wrath of God on the ones that are not right. in a monogamous relationship? Right. So, and I think that please, it's only a few minutes, but please go on that because that's gigantic because what it, what it is is it's the love game it's the love factor it's more the emotion but he's not going to talk about the ones that are outside that that are homosexuals where the wrath of god would be on them well that that is one to me one of the really hypocritical elements of the huh. alleged gay christian movement and, and that is they they want to talk about honoring the gospel and things like that but they do not i have i have yet to see any one of these individuals uh, either enunciate a clear understanding of the gospel and call people to repentance and faith, because that would require defining sin. And uh-huh. that's the one thing yes. they have to fight against anyone defining in the first place. Or a the, the absolute recognition on the part of David Gushy uh, that it would be necessary, if he is going to say, now it was interesting, I, I listened to his first presentation at the Reformation Project. I'm responding to it right now in my own program. Um, and it's a must-see. And when he, when he makes the statement that he believes that these relationships should be monogamous, lifelong relationships, the applause he got for that was uh, significantly less 
uh, powerful and enthusiastic <laughs> than he had been getting for almost all the other things that he had been saying. And because there's another side to that. Uh, that exactly. And, and everybody in that audience recognized that he was now going into an area that a lot of them weren't overly excited about following him into, in, into that at all. Um, there should have been, if, if this is actually a Christian gathering, a consistent application of a call to repentance uh, to all those homosexuals in the audience uh, who uh, were in any way, shape, or form violating a monogamous relationship. But there was no call for that because there can't be. You've already cut out the grounds of making any kind of authoritative proclamation regards to the nature of sin and let alone talking about the wrath of God. These people don't want to hear about the wrath of God. Uh, they don't want a God who has wrath, which means they don't want a God who has a cross because you cannot even begin to understand the necessity of the cross, the nature of the cross, what's really going on in the atonement if you don't have the wrath of God. It's simply not, it's simply not possible to understand those things. And, of course, I would say that part of this goes back to, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of paying the debts of the church here. Uh, because for a long period of time, uh, we have allowed our theology to uh, be determined by what people want to hear. And as a result, uh, we have raised a generation of, of people that have a very sentimental view of the cross and of the atonement. And the idea for most people is, when you look at the cross, all you see is the love of God. And I would like to wake everybody up who's driving or anything else and say, if you... <laughs> If you look at the cross, if you do not see the wrath of God against sin, his holiness, his justice, his righteousness, then you are not seeing the cross. And the reality is the love that is seen there is only seen in its proper context, its proper glory, its proper brightness against the backdrop of that holiness and that justice and that righteousness. If you don't see all of it, the result is you only see part of it, and you don't have a foundation any longer for resisting these very things, defining what the gospel is, etc., etc. And you see what Dr. White does. He gets the gospel in, the gospel, repentance, and faith, and, and that's what I think they alleviate in, 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 in the Reformation project. Anyway, thanks again for listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. We have another 13 or 14 minutes more with uh, Dr. White, um, if you want to call. Give us a call at 602-274-1360. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi filling in for uh, Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about same-sex controversy. And, and uh, Dr. White has enlightened us on a lot of issues, the Reformation Project, obviously. And then he took us through Genesis and looked at that beautiful illustration of the mirror. But he did want to get back to Romans 1. And I, and I think that's appropriate uh, because we want to try to cover all bases in the short period of time we have. And this is the usurping, the usurping of God's created order of how man and woman should be uh, one and in marriage, in monogamy. So this is that usurping. And I think uh, Dr. Wirt, uh, Dr. White will help us a little bit with some Greek terms here that can really help us understand what Paul is saying. So Dr. White, can you enlighten, enlighten us on this uh, chapter 1 of Romans 25 through... Uh, I honestly think that uh, for almost any Christian today, if you want to be salt and light in a dark and dying society, 
um, you really should take some time to familiarize yourself very closely with Romans chapter 1. I, I, I cannot think of any other text in the, in the Bible uh, that has more insight into the nature of man. You need to have a biblical anthropology. You need to understand man as God is revealed him to be rather than how psychology or psychiatry is revealed him to be. God's one who made him. God knows him uh, far better than we know ourselves. And I wrote a book in, I think, 2004 uh, called uh, The God Who Justifies. There is a uh, fairly lengthy chapter in the book on Romans chapter 1, exegeting it, bringing out what it, what it means. And it, it has application to so many things. This just happens to be one area that it has application in. And what we need to understand is that when Paul is not singling out homosexuality as the be-all and end-all of, of all evils in right. Romans chapter 1, what he's illustrating is the fact of the relationship between God and man and the result of what sin is. He has said that, that God has revealed himself clearly in what has been made so that man is unapologetus, without an apologetic. Uh, an apologetic is a reasoned defense. And so man cannot come up with a consistent, reasonable defense of his rejection of God because God has left his, his fingerprints all over creation, not only outside us, yes. but internally within us as well. And then what he says is, is that when we engage in rebellion, there is a fundamental twisting that takes place within ourselves. Um, if he's the source of life, we are cutting ourselves off from the source of life, and this becomes the source of the culture of death that we see around us even to this day. And so there is a twisting of the creator-creation relationship. They've exchanged the truth that they receive from God for the lie, and they've worshipped and served the created order rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And the result is a darkening of the mind. Uh, we, we sometimes embrace a Greek view of man to where you have the body and the soul yes. and, and the spirit and the mind and all these different things, and, and we compartmentalize things. The biblical view of man is very much holistic so that you can't sin in your body without that impacting you spiritually and, amazingly, this is almost illegal in the United States to say this, um, it also affects your mind. People in our, in our country believe that, that the mind is the, the final bastion. God has no control there. Uh, you're, you're perfectly uh, autonomous there. You're not influenced by anything around you. The Bible says that's ridiculous. If you've cut yourself off from the very source of divine light, you are now stumbling in the darkness. And professing yourself to be wise, you will become a fool. And that is the very term that is used there. It is in that context of God giving men over to the lusts of their heart, giving men over to what they love as rebellious creatures that homosexuality is raised. Because what it illustrates is how at the very fundamental, natural level of man's created being, sin can even twist the foundations itself. Because, look, let's face it, procreation requires a male and a female. Even today, even with our, all of our scientific advancements, I mean, even if someday we can get rid of that, uh, it will be at, at massive cost and at massive danger, and everyone recognizes that's a really bad idea. Um, and, you know, you would think that someone might want to read 1984 again. You know, uh, no one reads it anymore, but uh, I would highly <laughs> recommend it to people. Um, we've been warned about what this is all about. At, a, at the fundamental level, uh, we recognize that 
procreation is necessary for the continuation of the species. So there is this just basic level. And even at that basic level, the foundations can become twisted by that rebellion against God. And that's what he's talking about in Romans chapter 1. And so sin's got a power then, right? Sin looks like oh, it's, it's, it's extreme, got a power. It, and, it, and it's extremely damaging to the image bearer, uh, the one who's created in the image of God. Once you reject that God exists... You cannot reject God without that fundamentally altering yourself. And homosexuality mm. is one of the ultimate examples that is given of that kind of twistedness that results from rebellion against God. And so it, it, there is no question that verses 26 and 27, Romans chapter 1, and there are numerous homosexual scholars who have confirmed this. I, we can give you all sorts of quotations. There's an excellent book by, by Dr. Robert Gagnon, uh, and I highly recommend his work on this subject, uh, where he will provide you with page after page after page where homosexual scholars admit the Bible is unequivocally negative toward all expression of homosexual behavior. They just simply reject that the Bible has authority. And, and you know, I yeah. mean, that's, and, and you go from there. <laughs> but even they recognize that you cannot twist Paul. But that doesn't mean there are not dozens of books out there that try to twist what Paul is saying here. And they'll say that what we've got in, Revelation, in Romans chapter 1 is, well, it's actually, you know, back then you had the rich man and the little boy, and, and it's pederasty, and it's things like that. And, and I, I would just recommend folks go on YouTube and watch my debate with Barry Lynn on this subject. This is from like 2001. Uh, I was in my weightlifting stage then, so I was a whole lot bigger than I am now. And uh, now I'm in my cycling stage I was in, uh, again, and I was in my weightlifting stage back then. But watch the cross-examination, because that's when a debate takes place, is cross-examination. And if you watch the cross-examination in that debate, first of all, uh, n- neither of the two major opponents that I have engaged in the subject on a debate called, Is Homosexuality Compatible with Biblical Christianity? brought a Bible to the debate, including Barry Lynn. So I had to let him borrow my, my Bible. And we're discussing Romans 1. Listen to the cross-examination as I try to walk him through Romans chapter 1 and watch as he absolutely collapses, falls apart, becomes very angry because he's used to being on CNN throwing little softball questions. He's not used to uh, talking to someone who's, you know, was writing, I was writing the book at that time and so on and so forth, uh, teach Greek, et cetera, et cetera. So watch that examination. You will see that all of the excuses that people try to come up with, and we, of course we dealt with it in the same-sex controversy as well, all the excuses that people try to come up with simply fall apart. For example, they, as I mentioned, they say, well, it's the older man with a little child. Read what it says, men burning with lust toward one another. This is, mu- this is a mutual relationship he's talking about here. This yeah. isn't just one person buying a sex slave. This is, this is a mutual homosexual relationship that is being described here. You just can't get around what is being said here. There's no way around it. And very, very quickly, Paul also uses another term. He doesn't use it in Romans 1. He uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and this is important. I'll try to be quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he uses two, two phrases. He says, uh, uh, uta uta Now, that has been translated in various ways. The ESV, I think, renders it exactly right. It takes both of them and simply says, neither homosexuals. Why? Malakoi means soft, Arsenokoites, Paul probably coined the phrase, drawing from the terms found in Leviticus chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 20. The Greek Septuagint is the background of much of Paul's language. Right. When you bring them together, it is the active and passive male in a homosexual relationship. 
and the ESV has accurately rendered that as homosexuals. If you want to see how politics has influenced even the creation of our Greek lexicons today, if you look at the Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, and Donker Greek lexicon, the old green one, the second edition, and then look at BDAG, the Bauer, Donker, Arndt, Gingrich, third edition, the more right, right, Pepto-Bismol right. colored yeah. one that you'd be familiar with. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, if you compare the two and look up arsenicoites, do this, the entry triples in size between those two, those two editions. Why? Simply because of all of the political papers that were published on that particular term in that time period. It's not that there was anything that was found that was actually relevant, but the, even the definition changed between those things, wow. all from a political perspective. And may I just point out very quickly, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much, how much time we've got you here. We've got about two, three minutes. Three, okay, I, we got, we got yes. enough time here. Yes, yes. Good. 54. All right, so let me, let me really make sure people understand this. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 6, Paul lists an entire series of sins. It's one of his vice lists. And then I want you to hear exactly what he says. Give it to us. He points out that he talks about, do you not know, verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. NASB says, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. Those are the two phrases that ESV has put into one. Nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, then he says this, such were some of you. Past. And here's, here's what people need to understand. The quote-unquote gay Christian movement is saying to you and I as Christians, federal judges are saying to you and I as Christians, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to be suggesting, most probably, to you and I as Christians, that we need to change the verb, which is the one, two, three, fourth, fourth word in verse 11 in the Greek language. Now, I've looked at this. There are no textual variants that are relevant to this passage. All the manuscripts say the same thing. Such were some of you, and then you have the adversative Allah afterwards. But you were redeemed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. They, we are being told we can no longer believe this, because if we believe this, what he's saying is, that was all in the past. Now, something new has come. Now, something has changed. And what the gay Christian movement is saying is, and such are some of you, and you all need to celebrate the fact that you continue in that lifestyle. That's a manipulation. That's a manipulation. That's what we're being told. That's what we're being told. And we need to start telling people that you are telling me that I need to reject the authority of my scriptures and that I need to reject the authority of Jesus Christ who gave himself for me on Calvary's tree. That is what you are telling people to do. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, unfortunately, when they are given the opportunity because they are undergoing persecution or something like that, don't know the subject well enough to be able to express that. That's something that we all need to be thinking through. Be prepared to give that answer when the opportunity is given to us. This is a gospel issue. There is no way around it. And such were some of you. If you're tuning, uh, um, you're listening to Cornyn here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Pastor Dominic Romali, filling in for Tom Brown today. And today we have talked about the same-sex controversy. And what I want to do is I I really want to thank um, Dr. White. We have about two minutes and 20 seconds. And if he can leave me 20 seconds, just a final exit. (laughs) And and, and I, and I, I, I want to just give him to you and and I think there's some things that you really need to listen to if you're really interested in this if you really want the truth of God's word something that we can stand on as Christians I think he's doing something on dividing line that I I, I think I he wants to invite you to listen to Dr. White well let me let people know the dividing line is a webcast we do normally we do it twice a week this week I'm I'm only doing it once uh, because I'm doing so many other things on radio but uh, you can get it through iTunes uh, YouTube uh, other well, for now, anyways, I keep doing this type of subject, and uh, I guarantee you that won't be the case. But right now I am doing a multi-hour response to Dr. David Gushy. Uh, he gave a presentation at the Reformation Project on ending uh, the teaching of um, uh, slander uh, against uh, the Church's sexual minorities, uh, contempt, ending, ending the teaching of contempt against the Church's sexual minorities. And I am playing the entirety of his presentation and responding to all of it. So I'm not just taking portions, I'm playing all of it. And it should end up being about as long as my response to Matthew Vines, which ended up being five hours. So one hour of his presentation, four hours of my response. Uh, Hopefully I'll be finishing it up on Wednesday of this week. If not, we'll have to go a little bit longer than that. But uh, I think it's vitally important to respond in, in toto to what the gay Christian movement is saying and to demonstrate uh, that we have the answers to everything they're saying. We're not making excuses. We're not hiding. Uh, this isn't just bigotry. This, this isn't just discrimination. This is forced upon us by the very nature of the biblical gospel and the, the revelation of Scripture. And therefore, it is a, quote-unquote, hill to die on. Uh, and that's why we're addressing it. Amen. Dr. James White, Pastor Jason Smathers. Mrs. Mrs. Rachel Grimaldi and Jeremy Behind the Glass, thanks again for listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Had a great time guest hosting for Tom Brown. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.